I'm going to go ahead and start the actual show now. Welcome to the Off the Road Again podcast. This is the second show in a row where Ross has immediately started talking when I started to open the show. My name is Chris. My name is Ross. My name is Zach. <laughs> Hi, Zach. We're going to blame distance on the delay there. This is our podcast about anything and everything off-road. Uh, obviously, tonight we are joined by Zach Clappen of the Smoking Tire, One Takes, Drive on NBC Sports. Um, did I miss anything? Um... Proving like, grounds, like nine jobs. I mean, yeah, I produce, write and produce proving grounds on NBC Sports, drive on NBC Sports, and you know sometimes do some like web internet commercial stuff. Nice. Generally, generally, like many things, automotive production, automotive media production. Man of many talents. Are they the commercials that I have to wait to skip? <laughs> What's that? Are they the commercials that I have to wait to skip? Uh, web, sometimes web. it's more. We more do. Um, like commercial B-roll, so when journalists fly in and drive a nice car and, and, you know, you see a really nicely shot video, most of the time it's ours. And and then sometimes we do more complex stuff, like we did a really, really cool video with Porsche when they, excuse me, um, they put uh, Coca-Cola livery on their RSR, which was like something they hadn't done it since the 70s. So we yes. did this rad video where a... Porsche RSR drove from their uh, the PEC facility in Atlanta, like to, to downtown, past the Coke factory, and then out to a track. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that was like a bigger thing, you know. We're closing roads and driving race cars at early in the morning, and man, the people that live on the street didn't like it. But it was oh cool. boy, <laughs> yeah. You you'd think like Atlanta would be like somewhat used to that now, with the, and as much stuff as shot in Atlanta, like you think right. they get used to road closures, but. Not for, not necessarily for like a, a liveried up, you know, brand new Porsche. Yeah, the, the red, there's a Reddit thread that was, we were watching in real time. Like we, we closed this location by a bridge at like 7 a.m. And, you know, it's a race car, like it's loud and screaming and we did burnout and stuff. And we watched this Reddit thread like populate. It was like, who, and the first post was so funny because it was like, who the fuck is driving their Ferrari with, for a movie at seven o'clock, like they didn't know anything. They were just upset that something was being filmed. And then people started commenting like, and then there became an argument about the film industry and how it helps Atlanta's business. But you know, right, so, it creates like, huge like, revenue. It was really funny to watch just different citizens kind of debate this at 7.30 in the morning. So you were basically like, I'm creating the chaos. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Doing that <laughs> <laughs> evil <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Sounds like it'd be something fun to sit there and read while it's happening <laughs> for sure anyway so uh so now I, I think we would like to have zach read the notes that he has added <laughs> oh man uh, no 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 just kidding <laughs> just kidding yeah no we we do show notes for the show and it's a google doc and i gave zach edit access so he wasn't used or expecting that or used to that and so he definitely got creative with that but we won't really I'm just an infant, man, and like I feel like we kind of know each other, but we don't, but we do, and I feel like the vibe was fine, and I just saw that there was, I don't know, I was just in the right, I was like, oh, you gave me edit access to a document that, and I'm not a very responsible person, so I don't remember what I wrote, but it was just like a lot of capital letters, just adding ideas, all of yeah. it bad. At I least mean, there was some like self-deprecating humor in there, too. I mean, it's the only way to fly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it it definitely was received in the right attitude. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of it. So, yeah, I mean, Zach, you know, Glucker, like that, that whole, uh, 
childish mentality has kind of trickled down through the universe world. So, totally. yeah, Glucker's Glucker's man. I haven't seen that guy in a long time, and but he's a great, funny person. Yeah, we've been we've been uh, chasing him to try to get him to come on the show, and I sent him a message. I was like, "Hey, man, Clapman's going to come on. When are you going to come on?" And that actually got him started to be like, "All right, what date is that coming on?" Yeah, <laughs> he I still mean, hasn't you, committed. You can try to make the case that he has a small child, so he's like hard to pin down. But Chris has four of those, so it's not really an excuse. Calling you out, Jeff. I, yeah, I th- I feel like for an in person show. A kid like that challenge it's challenging but now with all the remote shows we've done like we've done shows with people from different countries different time zones some have children some don't i think like if he took if he just stopped posting photos of a beer he drank like he could probably free up half an hour because the or photos he takes are nice <laughs> and with a real camera and it's you know he spends longer editing them than it takes him to drink the beer yeah 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 he can make it happen Zach, how have you guys had the remote podcast received? Have uh, have people taken well to them? Uh, yeah, we. What's really good is the the fans and the audience has been really helpful in the live chat. Honestly, like doing sound checks with us because I can only hear what's coming through the mixer. I I can't. My brain can't listen to the mixer and the live feed at the same time. It's just like it, it's just confusing. So. They're really cool about it. And I think people are stoked, as am I, about the guests we're getting. Like the density of great guests has just gone up a lot because you don't have to wait till someone flies into Los Angeles or has a free day in Los Angeles, even if they live here. I mean, it's it's hard. We, it definitely won't replace a live show and live interaction. It just can't. Mm-hmm. But I think it gets us 80% of the way, maybe 70%, depending on like kind of who it is. And what we've done is we've really, we started out with people we know well and that we're friends with and we know will be good guests because we know that they are going to be comfortable with the format and they're going to, they kind of know us well enough to know when we're taking breaks in our sentence so they can jump in and say something like, it'll just make it a much more fluid change. If it was somebody Mm -hmm. we've never talked to, we're not sure how they're going to be on the show, it's, it's definitely a little bit riskier and it could go awry, but you know, we can always... The other good thing about that is we can go, all right, let's do 30 minutes with this person and then we'll go, you know, to fan questions or something. And that way they didn't drive down here for 30 minutes. So, right. Like I'm, I mean, given all of the shows that we've done have been remote and all the shows I've done in the past, just guesting have been remote, but there's gotta be some aspect of like in-person learning how each other's, you know, you pick up on each other's mannerisms and everything. So at least you can kind of play with it as it goes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I keep looking over. I'm sorry. I'm concerned that there's like feedback. Are you guys hearing feedback on my end? Not at all. Okay. Sounds sorry. okay here. I think it's just a monitoring problem. Cool. And as long as I think I'm hearing it good, since I'm recording the actual call, I think we should be all right. I okay, think what, cool. the audio right. that comes in should be fine. Yep. And um, my alarm hasn't shit itself yet, so we're good. Yeah. He has ghosts in his uh, apartment Apparently. alarm that keep going off. <laughs> Things haunted. We have a neighbor. They have a siren that goes off every day. We've asked them what it is, and they act like they don't know what we're talking about. It doesn't. <laughs> it changes. It's basically sometime between one p.m. and four and five p.m. It could be and way worse like, hours. Roo, 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 and, and we have no idea what. And we've been here for three years. So like, and a, they have, okay. <laughs> it sounds like an old school car alarm kind of thing. Like, 
It's uh, it, no, no. It sounds like someone just won a shitty sweepstakes. It sounds like that. <laughs> it's it's like uh, oh, double dare. You know, I'm dating myself, <laughs> but it's like oh, you've just burned the lightning round. It's like woo, 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 and then it stops. At least so, it's not doing that at like two in the morning. No. Ross Double Dare was a show on Nickelodeon when yes. Zach oh, and I come were children. On, man. <laughs> Do you remember before <laughs> television, Ross? They had <laughs> they had games in the newspaper and you'd play them. They'd be called crossword puzzles. And you'd write words up and down and also left and right. And the words would cross, hence the name. That was entertainment. That was our X games. Double Dare <laughs> was the precursor to family double dare, Ross. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that they had uh they had reruns of that <laughs> reruns of that <laughs> uh so anyways so, zach you have quite a bit of off-road experience where where would you like to start with all this which part of the world would you like to start in because i feel <laughs> like the stories with the vehicles and the and the part of the world kind of go together for you yeah um I think I still see myself as an off-road novice because if it came to rock crawling or doing like winching, any of that, like I've done very little of it. So it still scares me a lot, mm-hmm. you know, doing, doing the occasional, like drive, uh, occasionally I'll get like a Jeep press car and I'll go do a super, what I think, what, what most people say is a very minor trail or kind of like an easier, easier intermediate. And I'm terrified. As soon as the thing starts like rocking a little bit, like I don't know how much yaw I can have or how much lean is okay before it tips over. So I, I'm at five degrees lean and it feels like 50. Uh, But what I have done is I've traveled on dirt and various surfaces in a couple countries in a couple different states and usually for long distances. So that I've gotten a lot of experience doing that kind of stuff, which has, it's kind of the overlanding thing. It, It brings a different set of problems and a different set of skills uh, I have a very special set of skills, but you, <laughs> you, you know, gotta like, I don't know, make sure you don't pop a tire because where's the next service station? 300 miles away. Okay. Right. Like, did you bring extra stuff? Yes or no. Which we did all cars go to heaven. We didn't always have a lot of extra parts. We just did it and got really, <laughs> really, really lucky. Yeah. Um, hope for the best. Yeah. So I like- guess I've, I've done, like I drove, I drove across Iceland on the, on all of the, um, they're not fire roads. What are they called? They're F roads. F roads. I drove across Iceland uh, for drive on NBC Sports. I was part of the crew that was filming the the Raptor, which was a team with uh, with driven by Chris Harris and Mike Spinelli. And we camped out in their rescue huts every night. We did two nights driving across the center of Iceland, which was like gorgeous in a strange way because it looks like Mars. There's no trees. There's no foliage. Like there was no. There was no anything besides sand and volcanic rock for like two full days. So I've never seen a landscape like that before in my life. I've been to Death Valley, mm-hmm. which looks very uh, isolated and daunting. But I guess I've just seen those kinds of mountains and things before. And then this was just there was a point where we were in a spot that looked like, I don't know, a valley that was 20 miles long, covered in sand. But dotting the sand landscape were one to three foot tall clumps of lava rock that some were standing vertically. Like they kind of looked like, uh, like a punch of me clown or a tripod. <laughs> like they had clearly just been thrown yeah. in the air thousands of years ago, <laughs> just landed. That's like, where they like landed. Chocolate That's chips on a cookie dough. And yeah. they were just there. And I, that was stunning. So I've, I've done that. And I drove, we did some, uh, off-road stuff in Morocco this year 
and then and then all cars go to heaven which was a movie series we did with the, for the smoking tire which um we bought crappy cars on craigslist and then drove them across an entire u.s state as m- off-road as much as possible um so you know the cars bre- break they don't break stuff like that <laughs> it's like gambler 500 but we're like oh for a few days with your closest friends kind of yeah i'm pretty sure someone will correct me but i'm pretty sure the gambler started after we did all cars two. i think so and i think they i i they might yell at me, but I really think that they said we kind of inspired that thing. I'm not trying to have an ego about it. I have a very, very, very small ego. But we, we had this idea in 2012. Um, we realized that there are some states that have fire roads that cross basically the entire state. And some of them are mapped out by a country co- or company called Backcountry Discovery Route. Mm-hmm. They BDRs. Are, yeah, the BDRs. Like They're a group of guys that ride motor, uh, motorcycles, you know, the kind of all-terrain, dual-sport, what are they yeah. adventure bikes got a buddy doing it now it was seems, i want to do that stuff too man it's it's like hiking without without that kind of without the effort and you see more stuff mm-hmm. and so we did a trip across washington uh and we bought a two thousand dollar jeep cherokee off craigslist sight unseen which promptly broke about Always two days later well. and then we bought a three hundred dollar toyota corolla at the next town and that made it the rest of the way all the way to canada so those, those are the kinds of weird off-road adventures I've done. It's like mis- mismatched people and and vehicles with terrain. It's like all uh, all ends of the earth and all ends of like the vehicular earth too. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, an '87 Corolla worth 300 bucks that has about 80 horsepower, and then you know we we had a Raptor to go across Iceland, which mm-hmm. is why we made it across. But so, so- two things. First of all, sorry, Chris, I (laughs) talked over you. First thing is, what did you guys drive to as like a support vehicle with the Raptor across Iceland? Um, So we worked with um, a company, oh God, Arctic Trucks. Arctic Trucks, right. That company, everyone, if you've watched Top Gear where they went to the North Pole, Arctic Trucks built those trucks. And that's what they've been using for a long, long time. So we had a guide from arctic trucks that followed us and okay yeah kind of kept you out of trouble yeah he did i mean he was if so, if you want to go to iceland and you have i mean like th- they're great because they are <laughs> they are part of the actual um rescue team in the country so all all the rest like winter rescue people in iceland are volunteer citizens which is rad wow. and so this guy his name was arnar uh he was one of those people and he Basically, was a, a guide for us. So he made our food every day because that's part of the package. Um, and he made sure we didn't die or do anything really, really stupid, uh, which we almost did a couple times. Mm-hmm. Spinelli, Spinelli went through a river way too fast and <laughs> flooded the engine with water. And oh, Jesus. Ar- Arnar was like, okay, here's how this works. Like, I'm going to take a sock and cover your air filter intake because you can't be trusted to drive across the like he went in so fast he bent the front license plate just from like the water hitting it oh wow yeah, yeah. it bent the backwards way right like up and it, it just bent up and back and yeah, i don't it's like man we're driving like 400 miles we got two, <laughs> this is the first day and i get it like i want to go as fast as possible and splash oh, water yeah. and do dumb that first stuff first day energy is like you can't first day it. energy yeah first day energy and and you don't one thing we really learned on all cars 1 and 2 because we had such crappy vehicles 
and we didn't have a good support system because we were the support system is you have to be really careful with like wheel placement and you have to care for the vehicle. So, yeah, but that was the long way to say we work with Arctic trucks who are fantastic. So the follow up to that is uh, both Chris and I were individually planning different separate trips to Iceland for September and October, which obviously have both been kind of, you know, tabled for now. But this is like the second out of three weeks in a row that somebody's come on and just been like, Iceland's the greatest, you know, like the coolest thing ever. So it's like a dagger in the heart. But so, yeah, well, it does look wild. And then the nice, interesting thing about this is Robbie, who we had on before, uh, who writes for Hooniverse sometimes, he just literally flew to Iceland, rented a chimney, and drove around for 15 days. So like, camp he awesome. was sleeping at six two. He was sleeping in the back of that chimney. I'm still not sure how he pulled it off. That's not possible. Yeah, he that's said not a, he, like, he's not sleeping. Pulled, he's he's yeah. in there. He's a, it's nighttime, but he's not asleep. He's a contortionist. He's also still crazy young too. So I think that's how he pulled it off. Yeah, he's older than me, but I think he's actually just like younger. He seems like he's a uh, he's got a little more like still bendy. Like his back doesn't hurt yet. Yeah. Well, dude, that's what's cool about Iceland is, is the Hertz, like the Hertz rental car or whatever rental company you have there, they rent vehicles that I think can sort of handle the winter climate, which means they can handle the F-road. So you can rent a Jimny, you can rent a Defender 90, which you don't want to do because they're uncomfortable and terrible, but you can rent like very capable off-road vehicles. So if you go there in the spring, summer, fall, and you want to do a trip across, um, across the island or even a around it i mean the roads are smooth they don't run sports cars but there's too much traffic anyway so yeah rent a jimny and then bring and you it. can't and speed you can't speed like the country's too gorgeous to want to speed past it anyway so yeah rent a jimny bring a tent and man get lost in that place that'd be cool so it's gonna be interesting to see if we can if we can go but like so ross's plan is very similar to robbie's plan of just like show up rent a vehicle tour I'm going with my dad who wants to go see the Northern Lights. We've already started talking to Arctic trucks. Like there, there, there was a package involved. There's a hut. Like I was like, yes, that please. I want the guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because to see the Northern Lights, do you have to go certain season? Does that matter? So we're going late October. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We're, like I wouldn't trust myself to go out on the F roads if there's any hint of snow showing up. I mean, that's no. That's like, why I, that's why I was yeah. shooting for early September. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great because it won't be. I mean, I don't think it really gets hot there, but at least, but you'll have nighttime because I went there in July, mm-hmm. and the darkest it got was basically looked like sunset anywhere else. Oh my god, so, which really? is weird. Yeah, man, I have a photo of, of my watch. It was like one a.m. We just gotten done with sixteen hours of shooting, and I felt really awake. Part of it because of like the stress and adrenaline of, of production, but your brain is like, all right, it's still early. Like it just not drinking coffee, anything. You just, you, your brain thinks it's, it's daytime. It's cool. Like the weird circadian rhythms kind of thing. hundred percent that. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. That's awesome. So yeah. does that, does that make it hard? I mean, like obviously having more daylight makes, means you have more time to shoot, but like, does that also make it harder to shoot something like that with almost overhead light the entire time? Like you never really get those, those golden hours. Um, well, in Iceland, because it's so far north, you don't have that as big a problem. I think if you were... The sun's low. If, right, the sun's lower. If you were, you know, close to the equator or depending on what season it was, uh, that would probably present a bigger issue. So, 
for us, it's a, it's a boon. Like we always liked shooting drive or tuned or anything else in the summertime because you have the most hours in the day, which means you have the most amount of time. You have a buffer. If you fuck up, you can take an hour break to eat lunch. If you want to, when you shoot in the mm-hmm. winter in California, you know, it gets light at seven thirty, but it's dark by five. And yeah. That that is not a lot of time. So and that's actually, on the right side of the mountain. If you're in the yeah, woods, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. If you're on the other side of the mountain, you know, you lose your light at three, four. I mean, like if you're in Palm Springs, near that mountain, just randomly, like it's it's evening at three p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. We we tried to do some winter hikes this year because we didn't have that much snow, and we'd be like deep in the woods at two forty-five, and the sun would go down behind the mountain. We'd look around, and be like, oh shit, oh okay, time <laughs> to go. So you brought a flashlight for our afternoon hike, right? Always, yeah. always bring a flashlight. I've yeah. seen 127 hours. <laughs> Ooh, man, that movie's gnarly. That, Ooh. yeah, that, it, ugh, not good. Good movie. So, Crazy story. Anyway. Transitioning from Iceland to Morocco. Because Morocco was Spinelli, Alex Roy, and, and Harris, her. right? Yeah. And none of them really had, like, off-roaders at all. No, because uh, Morocco was... There's like there's a lot of organizations in Morocco that do off-road trips, especially motorcycles. It's really big for the adventure bike crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that because it's so close to Europe, kind of thing? It's easier for people from continental Europe just to hop over. Probably part of it. I mean, the, there's a we took a ferry from Spain, and if you're on, if a, there were a lot of motorcycles on the ferry, and uh, you know it costs less to put it on the ferry. Customs is easier. All those things. Um, I to think move just in general on a bike. Yeah. And, you know, Morocco, some of the city streets are really busy and narrow. So a motorcycle would be helpful. And also we like we drove. There, let's see. There's a couple of big highways that go a- across that country. Um, one is like the N1 and there's like the A1 or A2, you know, kind of similar names as, as England. But those are big freeways. But if you get off those freeways, you might turn right past the gas station you're at and the next road is dirt or the next mm-hmm. road is going to be gravel. And that is the highway to the next village that's over a hill, you know, to the east. And so, that's what they consider highways? Oh, 100%. We, we oh, went to film awesome. um, some bits. So we had a, a Ranger Raptor down there and we wanted to go film bits in the dirt because that's what it can do. And we did exactly this. We drove through a town. And about four turns into it, we were then on a very packed gravel road. We immediately, within, I swear, like half a mile, passed a family on a donkey cart. <laughs> like, this is what was amazing about Morocco is the contrast of worlds because there are people that still live in a hut or home that's made of mud and rock, and they'll mm-hmm. have a, a direct TV satellite on top. The door, but the door's cloth. And then, but then you have this big highway that, that I don't know how new it is, but that's bringing a lot of commerce from from Europe and and that's their just their how they get goods from like mm-hmm. from um from city to city and we saw like I saw a Range Rover Velar driving on the highway oh, so wow. so we so we get on this dirt road and we just drive over for, for a little bit and over the hills and we you know do some some shots and we're sitting on that road and we got passed by people on scooters uh the donkey cart eventually showed up buses large lorries full of like gravel and things. And they were just heading to a city that was on the other side of the mountain by about, I think by Cro, I, I could see it was by like 20 miles. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's just so interesting to see like 
two different time periods, but they're coexisting at the same time. So that right. was their highway. So most of the roads in Morocco um, outside of city centers or those big highways are some kind of dirt. Right. And then that sounds like a perspective and like an experience you just can't get in the States because no. the closest thing we probably get here is like, you know, in the East we have the Amish country. And then if you go out West, you have uh, some of the stuff out in Colorado and Utah and like Arizona and New Mexico, I guess, where it's, um, Oh God, the name of the settlers is like completely escaping me, but where they built trying to the, say Mormon. No, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a different story for a different time. Um, I have a book. No, It'll help. They built the like the homes into the side of the mountain, kind of thing. Oh right, like the Hopi uh, Indians or something like that. Yeah, oh, that sounds accurate. Yeah, so I feel like going to Europe and and Morocco is a step even further back in time. That there's just no chance of of seeing it here. Yeah, there's a. Uh... I just heard this quote from, I think, Richard Porter on his podcast, but um, script supervisor for Top Gear and now Grand Tour. And he said that uh, Americans think 100 years is old and British people think 100 miles is far, and, <laughs> which is like the contrast between the two countries. Yeah, seriously. So to, to your point, like, like the city center in Marrakesh, where we went to the, the night market there, the walls of that city are 3,000 years old, and the market has existed. Shit. Like, you go to that, you know, it's it's like, it's like a quote farmer's market, so that people understand the reference, but you go there, and it's just people with kind of open stands separated by cloths and tapestries, and someone selling limes, and someone selling spices, and someone selling mm -hmm. sandals, and someone selling not many TVs, but like, you know, food and all that stuff. And that market has existed there in kind of that form for 3,000 years. So right. you never see anything like that, like that kind of clashing of time periods here because we don't have anything that's anywhere close to that old. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because well, it's not, I'm going to make an analogy and it's that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the age of that stuff is amazing. But like when we roll around, so I'm, I'm based in Kansas. And so like, there's a group here and we'll try to get out and to see some back roads or whatever. And we find old stuff, but it's old stuff from like maybe the 1800s, more likely mm -hmm. early 1900s, like okay. abandoned schoolhouses and abandoned railroad bridges. Like we have nothing that actually dates that far back. <laughs> we don't, which I don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just the way things are, you know, some people, mm -hmm. some people like in Europe will talk shit like, Oh, you guys are so young like that's true that's the cards we have I mean, you, <laughs> yeah you right. not our choice sooner, i don't know whatever yeah it's because is it harris's house is from like the 1400s or something? harris's is house it? is literally older than our country jesus yeah i don't know <laughs> 1840 i know people people landed here but like the actual whenever the declaration of independence and everything happened but he's like yeah that my house is older than your country and it's you know that's why like the houses, the, the doorways are shorter. Our, like our doors in America, I think the standard is six foot eight. Is that's a, that's a door frame. But when you go to places where the building was built in the 1900s or the 1800s or whatever or before that, like people were smaller and things were smaller. Yeah, I have a, a friend who lives uh, west of Vale in Gypsum, and they have a cabin on their property that's from 1892. Whoa! And we, when we go visit, that's that's where we stay. It's a two bedroom, one bathroom cabin. 
and you have to like step down into the bedrooms because they were uh, a later addition. So this and Ross, you went totally quiet all of a sudden. Anyway, I'll tell my story real fast, and then you can ask your question. <laughs> um, now Zach went quiet too. Where did everyone go? No, no, I was laughing silently. Oh, laughing. <laughs> That's messes with me even more. Anyway, uh, so our our daughter was running around in this cabin, and she went to like this is when she was only one. She went to like go into the bedroom, and it was a big step. And so I went to grab her and got my head on the top of the door frame so hard that I basically couldn't do anything other than just sit right down. And basically hold her as I waited for like all of my eyes and my brain to readjust um, to to everything that was there still, which is kind of nuts. So Ross is now chatting with us. That's yeah, it's uh, people. I, I think if you look up the average height of a person in the 50s, it was like five foot eight or seven. And if you go further back and further back, it just gets. Mostly shorter and shorter <laughs> a little, you know, to a point. But yeah, because because I don't know, genetics and nutrition. I think they said most of it's just due to the availability of, of nutrition and extra calories. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little short of six, four. So it it hurt. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm we're just going to move on why Ross kind of figures stuff out, because I want to talk about Rally Ready Ranch. Oh, man, I love that place. Because when when we did when we decided to do an off road podcast, I was like, yeah, we'll talk about overlanding and we'll talk about car camping and getting outside. But I was like, I want to go drift crap on dirt, and yeah, they are close. They I I can't say enough good things about that place. I was I mean I was only there a day, but the guy that runs it, Texas Dave, as he calls himself, um, <laughs> is like equally skilled and hilarious. So we, we went there to film a bit um, for Drive on Embassy Sports, and I was hosting this bit. So I was going to drive an, an Infiniti um, Q60 and race, you know, a professional driving a prepped but underpowered rally car. Okay. And when we got there, like, first time I met Dave, he's he's good friends with um, my friend Ryan Samanchik, who has hosted a YouTube channel um, called My Life is a Rallyist. And, and Dave is, like, one of the funniest people i've ever met and he's just got a lot of voices and all these other things and i was just like oh shit this this guy might upstage me on the tv show that i'm hosting on like this <laughs> but but after like an hour we just started getting along really well and we ended up burning a ton of uh digital tape by just doing bits that could never be used on television uh to my director jf's dismay so like is there at least a blooper reel somewhere there is but like i i think i think i have that hard drive and I'm, i'll cut something with it eventually when i have time which is never um, so to, to paint the picture for people, Rally Ready is kind of a large ranch property, like 30 miles outside of Austin. I think they have like a hundred acres of land. It's quite a bit. And they have carved, uh, kind of several rally course courses in like, right. In, there's a house and right in front of that house are these like rally courses. And that's where they can do different modules and train people on, you know, lift throttle oversteer, slalom stuff, left foot braking, all these things. Then they have another course that's designed for Raptors and trophy trucks that has some jumps in it or like stronger, better cars. They also have trails that if you're in the more advanced level, you can go drive in the rally cars. Um, they've just cut a trail for side-by-sides that goes through the forest. And I rode with Dave in the side-by-side -side, and we're like 
drifting while jumping in the air and landing between trees, uh, which is quite a ride. And, you know, and Dave has, he, he set, uh, he had some class wins at Pikes Peak. He's done Baja 1000 a couple of times, the mid 400 and like podiums. Like he's a very accomplished dirt driver. So I was very comfortable riding with him, but it was still like an amazing thing. So you're, you're on this gorgeous landscape. They have all these different classes you can do. And then the people that run it are incredibly friendly and nice. And they also now just opened a dog rescue there. Yeah. So if you go there, there's like, like I got there, there's six dogs walking around and they're, there's six dogs that didn't know each other a year ago. And they're all the most well-behaved, nice dogs I've ever been around. Like I've, I've seen people in Beverly Hills, Santa Monica with all the money and time in the world. And they have a tiny dog and the dog is a dick. Because it's never been disciplined. The dog is an asshole. I don't know if you guys swear you can bleep this out. But no, this is, no, we swear. These are six dogs that have never met each other, you know, up until like a couple months ago. And they're like, oh, this place is pretty good. You guys all want to just get along and, and hang out and enjoy the food and like the pets? Like, yeah, great. And that's what they do. <laughs> that's why Rally Ready is great. So, yeah, I, I found so like being centrally located, it seemed like all of the cool rally schools were like either Dirtfish on the West Coast, Team O'Neill on the East Coast. Like actually finding one in the Midwest that I can actually drive to within a day, uh, I want to get down there. It's it's on my list of things to do, but obviously things have been a little chaotic. <laughs> I know. I I mean, I was down there and and we were mostly filming and I did some driving, but I want to go down there and do a proper like two day school because I think rally school it translates to every other kind of driving you'll ever yeah. do. Which is which is great. So if, if if that's the closest one, go to that one. I think it's the closest one. Sounds like you're back, Ross. Yeah, I think so. Hey, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> computer just took a shit. Who knows? Oh, that's so tough. you you only missed us talking about adorable puppies. Oh, <laughs> god damn it! That's and, okay. And I don't need any more puppies. fuel for my uh, my wanting a puppy fire. So don't get a dog. Don't go to rally ready. I mean, they, yeah. they they have a puppy rescue. You can take a dog home after your rally class if you want to. I think my wife would shoot me. <laughs> if you just show up with it, there's not a lot she can do. That's that's Don't coming the from the guy who, who literally adopted a dog in Kansas and while living in Florida, drove it all the way to Florida and presented it to girlfriend at the time who eventually became wife. It was like, here's a puppy. And she was like, no. And I thought it would be my dog, and the puppy immediately bonded with her and was a bitch to me for 13 years. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was like what, 2,000 miles away at that point. You were like, I, I actually can't bring it back. Yeah, it was like, yeah, we're 2,100 miles away from where I adopted it from. So, you got, you got guts though. You're just like, ah, I'm just going to commit completely. Seriously. Dude, I, I was full in fairly early on. I was like, do you want to move in? Let's get a dog. Like, I just I went full committal. Not quite crazy. But it did make her question something. She's like, this is quick. That's fast. Yeah. I'm, lear I'm learning a lot today. Yeah, yeah. you are. Uh, can we talk about King of the Hammers now? Yeah. Yes. Please. Are you guys in? No. Not yet. I hope it happens again. Like something. California's oh, it will. It, yeah. I mean, one, you, can stay, you can stay away from people and keep six feet there if you want to. So if that's the rule, it should be okay. Uh... How yeah. close is the nearest yeah. actual town that isn't Hammertown? Ooh, um, I think at least sixty miles. It feels oh, shorter because it's hard to say. Like I think we drove out at night, so 
like there's a town and then there's like a nothing like two houses kind of town and then you just make a left on a dirt road and then you drive a little bit and then it's a very bumpy kind of like washboard campground. no no it's like the, like undulating kind of dirt just because so many trucks and vehicles go over it and kind of mess it up and then you arrive at Hammertown so it feels like it's pretty far I, I don't know I couldn't remember how far it actually is but you definitely don't want to like have arterial bleeding suddenly when you're out there <laughs> but Dude, that event, that act. it's the, it is the best because I mean, there's so many different vehicles trying to solve the same problem. They're all trying to do the same course, right? So you have the side-by-sides, which are getting really popular now. Mm-hmm. And when I went, I think it was like five years ago, they were just coming on the scene and it was kind of like, whoa, how's this, you know, Polaris Razor going to do the same eight foot wall as like this unlimited class lifted jeep with a v8 in it yeah and they do it i mean they they both drive off or up the same sheer wall of rock it's it's really impressive and so they've got all these different classes and as a spectator you can get closer to the vehicles than pretty much any motorsport i've been to it has a very like informal feel to it and i haven't been to a lot of off-road events i know that when you go to those mud bouncer events and stuff you can also get really close Mm -hmm. but this you know they have some orange tape up and when the trucks are going through the crazy uh, rock gardens or um, I can't remember the obstacle names themselves, but, you know, these big like 12 foot vertical rock the waterfalls. Walls. Yeah, the waterfalls. Yeah. I mean, these, these trucks, they have to pull up, touch their front wheels, tires to the, to the rock wall, go up vertically. Someone climbs out of the cab with a winch, goes up onto the plateau, hooks it up to something, and then they like winch their way up. Or over just, other trucks. <laughs> yeah, they just gas it and somehow make it. Yeah, they drive over trucks sometimes. I they, I watched a guy change his uh his like ring gear from his diff in the dirt while other trucks drove around him. So you have all that happening, and you are close enough where when a truck spins its tires and rocks are fly- going up in the air, you need to pay attention to those rocks because if they hit you, they will brain you. Right. So you just you're so close to what's happening, and. And then you can drive from obstacle to obstacle, which, you know, you need an off-road vehicle to do. And, man, the cars sound awesome. It was so great. Seems like bucket list. My favorite clip from one of the big muscle videos was, like, something in slow motion throwing a rock. It looked like the size of a cantaloupe. Yeah. And it, it, it was gorgeous, but, like, it, I was like, that's a cannonball. Like, someone's going to die. Like, yeah. yeah, talking about medevac, Jesus Christ, that would fucking take you out right there. It. People sit, I think, just far enough away where the rocks are, like, landing near their feet. But if you get a big one, I think the good thing is that everyone is looking at the trucks because that's why you're there. So if something flies in the air, it's kind of like it's like a foul ball. It's like, oh, heads up, and the whole crowd pays attention. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you could get really hurt. You could get really hurt. I got hit with a rock. Who was that? No, Matt, no, Farah. When we were in New Zealand, we filmed this uh, rally car. And he got hit in the balls by a rock that was like a racquetball, <laughs> but it was flying at 70 miles an hour. And, that and it was also good. a stone. Yeah, a stone hit a stone, and he was, he was down for <laughs> How did that story not make it into a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. That was, uh, we went on that trip in like 2012. I, I don't know. It probably did, but it's way back in like the, you know, the first 100 episodes. Right. Uh, Holy shit, is that long ago? Yeah, just go online if you looked up... Um, the smoking tire, uh, I think it was called the like the, the CS2. Automation? 
Yeah, well, it was sponsored by automation. The car was called like the Alex Kelsey. Oh, yeah, the Cal- Alex Kelsey um, AS2. And, okay. and then you'll see that car. And we all got to go for a ride. And you'll see the part at the end, I think, where Matt gets hit in the bulls. <laughs> gets hit, get hit in the plums. Oh, perfect. Chris will, uh, Chris will have to link to that in the Hooniverse post. I will. I uh, can definitely. That was a good time. So, Hammers. So, so first of all, what did you guys go there in? What was your... Uh, your chariot for that. Hmm. Um, we had, so we were, we were filming for big muscle, which is a show on the drive YouTube channel. And we had a Dodge Ram 3,500 quad cab. It was what we could get on. I think the notice we had. And I mean, it was, it was not good for driving from obstacle to obstacle because it has, you know, suspension meant for carrying 10,000 pounds or towing tires for it too. Yeah. I mean, that was a, we saw those trucks there. They had towed an RV out there and then they stopped and then the (laughs) RV loaded something fun. (laughs) So it wasn't great, but like it got the job done. So Mm. that's what, that's what we towed out there. Okay. So the move is to pull a camper that you rented. (laughs) <laughs> and then just go exploring in like a razor or something. Totally. If, yeah. The, the best way to do it, if you can swing it one way or another is make, I mean, if you have the, if you have the means, I can't, <laughs> I can't like it's, it gets cold. It gets very cold. So mm-hmm. I mean, genuinely like, look, if you don't have a lot of money, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go to hammers. It means you should, it's off-road burning man for anybody who understands that. Like, yeah, that's get great. a tent, get, earplugs warm clothes and um you know bring your stuff and you could probably make friends hitchhike from obstacle to obstacle hang out like you could do that trip for and go visit king of, king of hammers and have a really good fun experience for not a lot of money if you want to be more autonomous and have your own vehicle okay the cheapest thing to do is you could bring like a dirt bike and that and you could rip around and that would be totally fine mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, if I mean, if you have a pickup truck and you can tow a camper, and have a side by side in it, or if you have a rented, uh, you know, America's Adventure RV and you tow a little trailer with a side by side, I mean, the side by sides today are, their suspension, their damping, oh. everything is so impressive. So Dude, that's the way to do it. We're in the me and my family are in the quad world. We've been riding with the same group for like ten years. There's like twelve of us that go, and my dad in 2011 got a Players. Uh, he got a, he bought a Razor 800, and it was like, ooh, it has EFI, and that was the big cool thing. It was like 50 inches wide. Um, he's since upgraded to a Razor S1000, which is unnecessarily it's fast. It's insane. Uh, my brother's got a Can-Am <laughs> 1000 that's on 30s. Like, it has 30-inch tires on a fucking side-by-side. And there's a couple of guys in the group who have the turbo razors and they're, they're like 175 horsepower and it's something that weighs 1400 pounds, you know? Dude, I wish, we could have, of the, I wish we could have got Zach's face when you said 30s, Zach's face is perfect. <laughs> I can't believe that that fits. Yeah. I, I drove the, what the S1000 turbo mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe how fast it was. But what do you think about the stability of those? Because the, their height, their track width is narrow. And they are it tall is. and tippy and Andrew Collins, you know, from July, yeah, so, like he crushed his hand. Yeah. And wanted, like there are a lot of accidents with those things and they don't the really get talked about. The thing is they've gone up in power and performance way faster than they have in width. Like mm-hmm. the horsepower numbers have increased way faster than the actual, like, you know, 
how wide they are as. And I mean, the things that they do with the suspension itself is crazy. Like if you're going straight and completely straight, you know, they have like 18 inches of suspension travel and the shocks are mounted like up through the bed. Um, and that's crazy. But then you turn and there's nothing you can do to make it not feel like it's going to tip over. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, the thing is that that they have like very, very big caution signs everywhere. And they're, they're kind of for a reason. And a lot of it is that it, they just don't handle that well because the, you know, the center of gravity is, is still pretty high and they have a ton of travel and you can't have soft for off-roading and also like a ton of travel. Um, That's the, so, the, the, the challenging thing is because they've made a, they've made a machine that kind of does, a good imitation of like a Baja truck or an unlimited King of Hammers truck. Cause both of those need to be able to go fast. And then they also need to be able to rock crawl. So they basically, I mean, I've, like I said, like I've flown through the air on those razors and they land so softly, like me and Dave both had herniated discs when we filmed that. And we both flew in the air and landed. It was totally fine. Um, so they, they're able to do that. But when you don't have the super wide track width that you do with the unlimited buggies or the Baja trucks, Right. Like that's when you run into trouble. I know right. that or the I know they're offering like after or the wheelbase too. I know they're offering aftermarket um uh like extended Yeah. Extended you can buy like feeling. plus five A arms, you know, and, and bump them out to like the widest ones you can get now are like sixty five inches. But the gates in a lot of the places where we have up in Maine and New Hampshire are like 50 or 55 inches. Yeah. You can, you can buy something, you can walk into a dealership and buy like a hundred and thirty horsepower razor. And they have like a, you know, and it's as wide, it's like narrower than like a two thirds of a Miata. It's like, uh, okay, that's a recipe for uh, using the roll cage to every bit of its structural integrity. Which some, I don't know, seen some, seen some photos where the, some of the roll cages are like, that's not built to crash spec. That's built to, I don't know. Looks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, looks tough not tough mm -hmm. just like i'm not sponsored by them like man <laughs> people have gotten like seriously hurt because the cages have cracked in half just uh, like that's the they look like they can handle a rollover or the situation that the vehicle can get itself in but they can't and obviously you know the force of the vehicle can vary if you if you flip it at 80 miles an hour like do they need to be able to build a, a cage that can handle an 80 mile an hour flip versus a 30 i don't know but just i've heard that they they seem to be folding a little earlier than people expected yeah i mean it's like the jeeps there's aftermarket roll cages for the same reason you know bigger speed and and you know more momentum bigger crash yeah but i don't know so, my, my 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 current plan is to try to actually get some land and not enough land to do dirtburg ring but enough land to buy some $500 shit boxes and if, <laughs> if you roll a Corolla like I know Toyota put in the engineering like I'm not yeah. too terribly concerned about that depends how you roll it it does I mean if you roll a Corolla at 80 like that's that's rally speed you're in big trouble but you know you know you just don't I don't know don't go 80 like we 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 well we hit 92 in our Corolla uh asterisk close course on all cars too and or no all cars one and it was going straight luckily but then earlier in the trip we were going 70 and the hood opened on its own and smashed the windshield <laughs> oh, I remember and scared that. the crap out of me yeah. so like you can have things like that happen 
dude, that, off-roading, it's it's all calculated risk. Like, you yeah. know, if you're going to take the chance, you got to be willing to <laughs> absorb the consequence. But I, I totally agree. I think sometimes people think like, oh, that thing's got big tires and a cage. I bet I can do anything in it. And it's like, uh, you can't. Like, you should read the manual. <laughs> slow as possible, or watch as fast as necessary. As slow right, as possible, as fast as necessary. Yeah. It was yeah. fun fast, though. Yeah. So Zach, or I'm, I'm assuming Ross put this question in here. Do, do you have like an ultimate what you want to build someday for off-roading? Ooh, because you don't. You like to drift. We know that. I do. So do you go trophy truck and only stay rear-wheel drive? I mean, if I if I had all the money, that like the first place I would stop is trophy truck because I there's something that is so. I don't know, just captivating to me about like there's like a fury to them and what they do and how they're driven that I don't think you see in any other motorsport. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's cars that go faster. Drifting has a bit of that, but when I watched from Dust to Glory, you know, seven times in a row because I did, because <laughs> we and, all did. <laughs> like yeah. this is a five to eight hundred horsepower truck sliding across the desert all four tires are doing something different moving two feet at a time it's like it's such controlled chaos and it's i know drifting is controlled chaos this is uh sorry it's uh hvac makes noises thought we were having like a feedback issue but there's just um i don't know if you've seen anything like that So loud this time it drowned him out completely. Sorry, hang on. I'll, I'll cover my mic. No uh, I don't know how to mute my mic. I do. He's you just uh, oh, down the block. Um, yeah, I think there's just something really special and unique about that. So some kind of Baja pre-runner truck would be would be the jam. But there's also I'm not I'm not into slow rock crawling because it kind of gives me the wrong kind of adrenaline or charge like going four miles an hour, but feeling like I'm about, like I could, could die or hurt my car or something or, or like roll over. I totally respect the problem solving side of it. And I would like to have that skill like in my repertoire, but it doesn't make me want to go out and buy a vehicle that can do that and learn it. Because to me, the risk is so much higher than the reward I get just from what I'm in. Like I'm into going fast, snowboarding, skydiving, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think I would go with something that goes faster, like, for, at first. What's cool. I'm trying to tell Ross oh. he has to unmute himself because I don't think I can do it. I mean, dude, the, the, the ultimate vehicles at King of Hammers are perfect because they're a little smaller than a trophy ah, truck. Success. They can rock crawl, and they can go 100 miles an hour. I mean, I got to ride one of those over a set of whoops, and the the hood doesn't move, and the wheels are just going crazy like basketballs. It, that was amazing. That yeah, was that's amazing. my when you were talking about like trophy trucks with the fury. That a hundred percent agree with that. But like when all four tires are doing absolutely something different, I think they have an elegance to them too. Like that's that's kind of nuts. Like when they're just when all you can and you can watch the slow mo from the front as like literally everything's just going up and down. I just I love those clips. Yeah, you know what? It's it's like watching slow motion of a cheetah chasing something, and you you're watching that cheetah like you know whatever the gazelle pivots and the and the cheetah now has to turn 
and the tail is is moving because that's how they balance themselves and they don't like fly over or roll over and all the paws are trying to grab the ground diff- in a different way and they're it's like and it's an animal oversteering but that's kind of what it reminds me of it's yeah. four independent limbs working together to move forward it's perfect ross do you want to get to our listener question yeah well <laughs> no just to follow up like the difference because you know just like out west and like what a lot of the guys do out in um in utah and and in some parts of california the up north where we go and even to in pennsylvania to some extent there's a combination of of the fast stuff and the slow stuff so you can't build a single purpose via you know like you can't just do like long suspension travel and sacrifice your integrity on the rocks so it's like the difference is, are you satisfied going a hundred miles in a day or like going, you know, a mile in three hours? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like Rubicon trail is the opposite of the guys who go out and build pre runners. And, you know, a lot of the country and especially up in this area is kind of like a ha- you got to build a happy medium. And it's just, it's, it's pretty cool just to see that there's such a, a variance that you can, do inside the the same thing just like you can build a like a full-time track car or you can build a drift car and you can do it on the same platform just tune it differently yeah i like i i think crossing crossing large distances uh as as a form of outdoor adventure is really really fun that's something that's really like i've done backpacking trips which i also really enjoy but you know you can do a few miles a day if you're really in shape and, and you're still carrying your own stuff like you could do six to ten miles a day mm-hmm. but all right let's say you do 10 miles a day in a week you've seen 70 miles in a right. week for all cars go to heaven we did like 800 and the landscape oh, changed man. so much um from start to finish but on both states on in utah and in um and when we did the washington trip and that's something you won't get from a backpacking trip unless you do it for like a month so i think it's the whole like overlanding thing a to z kind of trip is really really special so i think like i'm drawn to the baja thing because i want to do it some point and i think flying through the air at 80 miles an hour seems super rad but Mm -hmm. i was going to build a vehicle that i would keep for it like if i had to choose one type of thing it would be something that can do a medium you know it needs to be quick because i'm gonna drive it quick and break it if it can't but Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) it, it also needs to be able to like carry some stuff slowly go over some obstacles and and get me it, it for me it's about seeing the scenery and getting to the next point not like mm-hmm. i want to solve this one rock garden which is 100 feet long and i'm just looking to conquer that obstacle it's like no no i want to see the next 10 mm-hmm. and, yeah that's a yeah. lot that's a lot of the way i am too i i want to see as much stuff as possible now um with all cars like a lot of our mantras like you don't have to go buy like the ultimate rig just literally whatever you have you can go as long as you kind of properly prepare yourself you can go see some stuff like you guys drove a corolla you the second one was a an elantra yeah second one we had a hyundai elantra and a um toyota previa minivan mm-hmm. oh and there was that one had a model t too right yeah <laughs> Oh, that was Bothwell. Right, right. Uh, John Bothwell, uh, who runs Persang, and they make um, incredible, incredibly accurate recreations of 1930s Bugattis. Uh, he brought his, his grandfather's Model T, I think, which 
did most of the trails better than our cars did because that's the road that those were designed to handle because they (laughs) right the roads the roads are frozen in time just like the car exactly yeah that's what i mean it has carriage wheels that are huge and narrow and i mean the thing has like i don't know a foot and a half to two feet of ground clearance like that it had no problem with until we got to altitude that thing just cruised well we we had to be careful hitting our oil pan he did not was it and there was one thing about if he went in reverse it was able to pick up fuel the verse like climbing hills the normal way yeah so the fuel pickup for model t's at least his year it was at the front of the fuel tank so when you're going up a steep hill you know all the fuel goes to the back and uh, (laughs) this was in the manual it was like if you're having problems with fuel delivery you know during an uphill climb or back then it was probably like during an ascent uh you just turned around you just drove in reverse and he did that and it worked (laughs) but there were i mean there were other issues with that because the transmission works off of leather belts so climbing steep hills he had to he had to press on i mean there's so many pedals on that it's like a piano but he had to press on a pedal to increase the tension of the belt and when you're going up a hill it would start to slip so he burned out a belt or two um you know it was it was challenging in very weird ways at least at least a guy who like works for a company that builds 1930s bugatti replicas probably has a way to get spare parts for a model t he brought well he 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 brought six spare tires, none of which he needed. He did bring some spare belts, and then his um, head mechanic, Joe, who is like, like, it seems like he got in a time machine from the 30s and, and came here because because of how good he is at working with metal and old technology. So he he knows that stuff cold. So he was able to do some quick repairs on, on different things. I can't remember exactly what broke. It was like different pins were sliding out and different shafts that we don't have on cars anymore were like coming unseated and he just you know we give him like a pair of pliers and a hammer and 20 minutes and he would just fix it (laughs) so we had to stop a lot um when with the model t until eventually left like we did have to make more stops than we would have which did slow down our progress but when we were climbing like this like dusty red canyon in southern utah sun setting and you're following a you're following an MFN Model T <laughs> with a lantern hanging from it that's swinging back and forth in sunset. Like what? Where are we? What are we doing? Is this a good like a bad idea? You felt it was just being transported through time, and we're just watching someone go off. They're like going to go have a vacation, and they're driving. Or actually, back then that was probably just someone who's trying to get across Utah to california or something and it was just a total like little like cool little snapshot of time it was amazing so for all cars too you guys went south to north yeah yeah started in arizona bought our cars in arizona uh in phoenix i think and we drove to the southern edge of utah and then we drove north was the previa all-wheel drive or was it the supercharged version or was it just like a crappy previa with it was just the regular version but it was definitely not crappy because one, the Previa is honestly an engineering marvel. I didn't even know about Like, I've seen them when I was a kid, but I didn't know anything about them. And we get this thing. It's like, this is a mid-engine rear-wheel drive van. Felt super solid because it was built by Toyota, you know, right when they were doing things really well and spending lots of money. Um, 
rear wheel drive only, but again, mid engine. So all the weight was over the rear axle. It had much more grip and success going up hills than the Elantra did. And really? It's also where the oil yeah. pan was. True. The oil pan, that only had a, the only problem the Previ ever had was the, the oil pan, um, the drain plug vibrated out of it going down a really long, like 20 minute long washboard section. And we got to get to the bottom of this gravel road and we turn right and we're driving up the road and we're like, Hey Matt, there's like a trail behind your car. And he's like, Oh, and so he pulls over <laughs> look, and, all, and it's just like all the oh. oil pouring out onto the tarmac. Oh, and man. We got so lucky because the place we had turned, it was in between two towns. One was 60 miles away and one was 14. And they went into town and oh my God, they had a drain plug. They had like Napa Auto Parts and they had a drain plug that fit that car. What? Which, I mean, because when that happened, we're like, all right, that's the end of the Previa. We have to give it to someone. We have to fit, we have to tow it. Like we have to figure out what we can do with this thing. Mm-hmm. And they come back and like, you won't believe this, but they had oil and they had a Napa Auto Parts <laughs> and they had a drain I mean, plug that fits that car. Toyota Parts. Yeah, you know, that's why awesome. you don't want to buy I don't know, like if you had a Unimog that broke, like which it wouldn't. But if you have if you, <laughs> the obscure vehicle, while fun, may not always be the right choice for something where you're not near people. Yeah, not only that, but we talk about this all the time, like the obscure modifications and like shit rigging that you can do yourself, you know, that you're 500 miles from like the closest place where you can source a part. It's like, okay, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Yeah, that's um, a really good thing, a good lesson. Also, this reminded me, we were talking either last week or two weeks ago about this guy that took a, an all-wheel drive supercharged Previa and did a 10-inch lift and like Fox shocks. Whoa. It's like, it's like long arm, long travel. And Rad. I mean, it's not all good. There's a picture of like the wheel fell off on the highway, but it's, it's pretty awesome in general. I like the idea. I just, maybe the execution needs help. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it's good in concept, bad in practice. Right. Yeah, he's he's space potato on uh, Instagram. It's a '95 supercharged all-wheel drive with a 10-inch lift and 33s. Just the name awesome. is correct. They do look like space potatoes. They do. It's uh yeah. So where oh, I had a, something to tangent off of on that, but now it is completely evaporated from my brain because I've been up way too long. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna steal your thunder real fast so zach ross just spent a week with the 2020 uh toyota land cruiser heritage edition okay because uh toyota did him a favor we we both have had uh, like you guys press trips canceled and so they toyota lent him a land cruiser for a week but what i realized while he had it i have a 2008 sequoia that will fit the exact same bronze wheels from the land cruiser heritage edition which is ninety thousand dollars 90. 90 89 and change yeah so now my now my goal in life is to buy these land cruiser wheels to put them on my ten thousand dollar sequoia because i think they literally looks the same they do but those wheels are probably like 750 or thousand bucks each if you were to I'm, buy them from toyota i may have found a site that has them for 300 a piece buy and wheels <laughs> they're good looking wheels yeah, I like right. them. I and I have a I have a white truck, so like bronze wheels on a white truck, like oh, it's yeah. not quite a Subaru, but like pretty pretty close. I'm, so. I'm, I think it'll look really good. I yeah. still vote white wheels, white truck. 
you know oh. my, what my forerunner looked like. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not. That looks like a tractor. That looks like a tractor <laughs> that that is <laughs> cocaine. That's do you do you know what my uh, what my my forerunner looked like? It looked like a NATO like emergency truck. Yeah, like the UN was arriving. I'm gonna yeah. look on Instagram and see if uh, let's see if there's a photo. Yeah, I just I've just never liked white wheels. I think they just all they they oh, show stain. dirt more than black wheels do. They stain nothing good. Nothing. Sixteen good. inch steelies in white though. Actually, they, it came together pretty all right. I'm gonna just disagree. I don't even know what it looks like yet. I'm still <laughs> just disagree. Okay, now I find your truck. It's so utilitarian. Yeah, yeah. You look like, it looks like a NATO truck, which yeah. I see what I'm doing. I'm look, when I look at your truck, I, I like everything else about it. So I'm going, yeah, the wheels look okay. And what I'm really doing is tricking my brain to say I will accept <laughs> these wheels because the rest of this truck looks super rowdy. I'll take but it. White on white, man, you need some contrast. That's why I also don't like black cars with black wheels. I think. Oh, you know, terrible. See, now if you go black car, white wheels, is that acceptable? Hold on, I'm sorry. Like so, one? Ross, you're saying it's okay to have a white car with white wheels, but a black car with black wheels is not okay. What are we really saying here? <laughs> hmm. Check your privilege. Hmm. Fair enough. I retract my prior statement. <laughs> you can cut Braces that. I did yeah. think we're gonna get mentioned tonight. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, that, that went off. That spiraled. <laughs> you can you can genuinely cut that moment because that was at one oh six fifty four. No, 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 I'm gonna keep it. I appreciated all of that. <laughs> well, you invited me here. <laughs> that- Literally, that was the goal. So I we, should have, we I made should have asked, like, What kind of show? Anyway, any color wheels on any color. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So Skittles car then, Ross? Rainbow wheels? Oh God! I saw a 720 yesterday. Wait, what day is it? Tuesday. On Sunday, I saw a 720 with probably the worst wrap on it that I've ever seen. It was, it was orange, brown, white, and black, but there was no order to it. It just kind of like patterned back and forth with like it looked like somebody just had too much time on like autocad and threw a design together and went oh this will get me attention at a car show it was horrible like oh horrible i've just started assuming that most really bad raps are rap companies showing off what they can do and because sometimes they are they're like i'm going to show every texture and finish that we are able to put on a vinyl on one vinyl and that looks bad but if it says stevesuperwraps.com I go all right you're just demonstrating your business but you're not it's your eye yeah but i mean i i wish they still made it look good it's like a movable showroom type thing like so this one is this wrap <laughs> yeah i mean it's obviously a write off but also if you go to a car show you're like well look do you like do you want it to look like metal or matte finish or flat like we can do all of those cuz here they all are on one vehicle and this whole right. section's fake carbon right yeah <laughs> yeah it's not good so, Ross, uh, you were going to answer this guy's question tonight about uh, Tacoma lifts? Yeah, we'll touch on it briefly because the questions are not extensive, but do appreciate it. So, Christopher Boots Boutin, or Boutine, I don't know if it rhymes with uh, the Canadian delicacy or with uh, I don't know, whatever rhymes with Boutin, but he's asking about three-inch lifts. French fries into the boot. And then you eat them <laughs> out of the boot. Have you guys had poutine? It's actually like the most delicious thing in the world. Like I was so skeptical. Actually, incidentally, the trip I had poutine was the trip when I bought the Forerunner, the white Forerunner. Oh, but, cool. Uh, it was 
obviously very late at night and very influenced by alcohol consumption. But at the, at the time, it was delicious and kept us warm. So I think it is very much a set and setting thing. Like if you ate poutine on the beach and it was 85 degrees, you unless you were drunk, you'd probably not be into it. But when you're in Canada, I mean, I had it in Banff and it was like, I just did 12 miles of hiking. It's kind of chilly. I need calories. Like, yeah, I completely understand why it is. It is good. But then after like I got halfway done with it, I was like, this is not. I'd rather just eat good French fries. <laughs> yeah, like like actual like a burger or something. Or a burger. Yeah, there's there's not enough substance for me to continue, but those the first several bites were were pretty amazing. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but it didn't break 5 degrees Fahrenheit the whole time we were up there. So it was like, oh, this is warm and has uh potatoes and and meat. This is good. We'll take it. Oh yeah. Totally understand. So circling back, um Christopher's question about the three inch lift for Tacoma. Um, there's plenty of reputable companies. I think whatever you do, don't go on like Amazon, like a lot of people are starting to do and just buy like, Oh, rough country has a discount lift for $250. Like, don't do that. Uh, go to, you know, I've, I've done Bill Stein on a couple cars and trucks and, um, old man emu made the suspension that was on the forerunner. But you can do a really good combination of parts too, like OME and Bill Stein. You can do like Old Man Emu, you know, springs and Bill Stein, like 5,100 shocks and get like three inches of lift out of it. And it costs only a couple hundred bucks. So I'd also list in uh, Dobinson, also Dobinson's Australian Toy. Springs, uh, Toyota Tech, uh, does a lot of lift kits for Toyotas. Um, crap i'm blanking on the one i really want to say i thought of it first and um toya tech yeah toy te- uh, oh, toy icon makes a icon makes great stuff too and i think it's icon vehicle king. dynamics and Don't if you really it. want to spend a lot of money king king yep. makes yeah stuff but you could drop five grand on suspension and not even think twice um and then if you run like a three inch lift on a tacoma you can fit you know 285s or like a 33 so, I mean, Chris, you know, you're on, you have KO2s on the Land Cruiser. So, I mean, that's a good starting point. If, if you plan on doing anything more in the off-road scene, you can step up to like a Goodyear Duratrac or a Cooper STT. So but, like for, for his street use that he's talking about, like, I feel like the KO2s, the top of the price range for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked about Falcon or yep. Falcon, Falcon Wild Falcon Peaks. Wild Peaks. The AT3Ws uh, are great tires. I've seen plenty of trucks off road do amazing things on those, and uh, the Hankooks too. The Dynapros, ATMs, and I think the new ones like ATM2 or something. But which seems to be on every Ford I've seen lately. Every newer I Ford mean, truck is Dynapros. They're actually they they do very well in snow which I was surprised by, but even just on, you know, aired down to like 20 or 15 PSI, they, they actually do reasonably well in gripping on like rocks and, and stumps and everything. Um, I think those are good places to start. You know, the KO twos are going to be twice the price of, of the Dynapros probably per tire. So it comes down to like a, how much do you want to spend thing? Because I don't know, you could easily spend 400 bucks tire on a 285 or a, a 305. You know, 
which is is big money. That's a lot of money to spend on a set of tires that might die in like thirty thousand miles. That's it, a it's a pretty good amount of well, I guess compared to like sports cars, that's a pretty good amount of miles to get out of out of a set of tires. Yeah. How much of that is because I don't know anything about off road tires. Uh do tire compounds are they as important for off roading as they are for track driving? Like Obviously, the softer the compound, the quicker they're well wear out. But like, what causes tires in off-road, an off-road tire market to wear out? You know, faster versus others. So what, what I've seen, <laughs> yeah. So what I've seen yeah. with a compound is if it's not a high-quality compound, they'll actually, with the deeper and thicker tread, you can get chunks that fall out of the tire. That's versus, bad. like with a, I've, I've been running KO2s for two and a half years now on the land cruiser mm-hmm. and i i haven't had a single issue we i mean really good. we haven't we haven't been in moab but like we've been in some some crazy rock roads and i've never ever been concerned about punching a tire like mm-hmm. the possibility still exists like they're not armored or anything but like the compound in the ko2 i'm i'm a huge fan of right and i mean even just the original ko's where people would get like seventy thousand miles out of them on tj's but, you know, it, it also comes down to just like user, you know, knowledge, because you could have somebody who has them aired down like three PSI too low for their truck and the equipment and build on their truck. Like if you go on BFG's website, they'll give you a recommended PSI for for a standard load rating. Hmm. But then if you end up loading the truck up with like bumpers and a winch and skids and, and a, you know, a jack and all that stuff then you end up with a couple thousand pounds extra over what it, it's supposed to be. And if you're running the same pressure, it just kills the tires. Right. And a lot of people just don't factor that in, but I, most of it's just compound, you know, on, on my, I had an avalanche, um, and it, I got like 22,000 miles out of a set of Goodyear Duratrax and then got like almost 55 out of a set of Toyo AT twos. They're, they're technically in the same class, it's just, and they were like basically the same price. It's just one is, you know, 20% more aggressive on the tread and also 20% softer. So it, it kind of is a like multiplying factor. Wow. So if it's a primary, so just going back to Christopher's question, if it's like a primarily street truck and it's like limited off-roading, like don't buy anything more aggressive than the most aggressive thing you think you'll need is the same thing with track. Like if you're like a once a season autocrosser, you don't need like, you know, triple eights, yeah. <laughs> like RE 71s are going to be overkill on themselves. So you can get away with something even less aggressive. It's just, it's so easy to go on like a Tacoma world site and go, Ooh, you know, KM threes look awesome. I could, I need that. Don't. Yeah, because then uh, I always hear, see these trucks on the highways around here that you just hear the tire howl is insane, and it's because the tread is so aggressive. Like they have a lot of space between the tread, so you, I think like evacuate mud or whatever, and it's just in, just howling. And they're just going back and forth to work. Like I don't know, most if the trucks are clean a lot. Like I just I'm just a jerk, so I just assume they don't off road a lot. But <laughs> I think people, it's a really big problem in all parts of the car world. Is what are you actually going to do? Like, because I think so much of automobiles and sales is driven on what image you want to project. Like, that's why people drive 
lifted Wranglers and they live in Manhattan and they don't go off road because they want to be like, well, I, I wish I was an outdoor person. I work here and I don't go anywhere because I don't have time or whatever, but I, I want to be this person. And I understand why we do that. But I think when you're making purchases like this, whether it's a sports car or a track car or off-road car, like you'll save yourself a lot of money. Like, let's just forget, like not projecting an image that you're not really living up to. Okay, fine. Just save yourself money. Like KO2s are great. We used to drive the canyons in them and use the Raptor, the camera car. They, mm-hmm. they have a lot of grip. They're comfortable on the street. They're quiet. And if you're going to go do, I don't know, what, medium to lightly serious off-roading, unless it's super, super muddy, they're probably going to do a really good job. They're expensive, but you, they'll save you money because they'll last a lot longer than if you go with something that's like a really soft compound with these big, like, chunky blocks of tread. Right. And it, it's also, I mean, I'm sure you know, you've driven your fair share of, of things that have been overbuilt for the owner's intended purpose. Like, it's not just the money, it's the misery. Oh, like, yeah. if you build something that is just, you know, five levels further than what you're actually going to use it for, it's like, how much agony are you going to put yourself through? You know, if it rides like shit and it feels like shit, like, <laughs> we've all been there. Totally. 100% true. So my battery's about to die. Okay. All right. So I think we're going to wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually how it ends. (laughs) So you guys can find Zach on Smoking Tire Podcasts. Yep. One thing still happening? Uh, Infrequently at the moment for car and busyness reasons. But yeah, I do one takes over there now and then. And um, I'd say watch, look out for this season of Proving Grounds. I'm very proud of it. It's really funny. It's like... I mean, the track's still there and stuff, but I'm, we did some really funny stuff I'm proud of. You guys nice. seem like you have such a genuinely, like, good time just having, you know, being out there and shooting those. It, it is. That's, it is one of my favorite weeks every year. really is because of the people on it making it. And I know that that's probably a, wow, it is like kind of a producer cliche. But if you ask me about a project I didn't like working on, I would say that, you know, the food was good or that it was <laughs> nice to see the, that landscape. But um, everyone who works on the show tries really hard. It's a really good, like, collaborative effort of silly people. So I think I hope people like it. All right. Well, we'll certainly give it a watch. And Chris, like, literally seems to be fading over there. (laughs) I think it's time to go. All right. So, Zach, thank you for joining us. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Did it it work? I don't know. Something happened. Your monitor is, like... Or your camera's freaking out. There's red and blue streaks going across oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> and he's frozen. And, and that's it. it. And that's a show. On my computer desk. <laughs> Sweet. Chris is recording on the move. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Almost as amazing as no children running in the background on this one. <laughs> that you can't control as much, but this is very funny. Uh, well, it's late. Can you hear me at all? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, thank you guys for having me. This was very fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. And Thanks for coming on. Sure. Anytime you make it out east, you're welcome to come join on one of the quad trips. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, plenty of razors and, and you know, well, actually not that many quads. Most people are just in side-by-sides, but, you know, welcome to tag along if you'd like. So That'd be really fun. I, I just, I'll ride with you. I don't want to ride with a random person that's like, I just got this thing and I put a down pipe on it. Like, I'm yeah. not riding with you. No. No. Yeah, that's I, all kinds of no. Yeah, that's that's a fun way to end up in the hospital. Exactly. <laughs>
yeah. well, thanks guys. I'm, you know, I'm a novice at, at offering, but thank you for, uh, entertaining me. Yeah. yeah dude. Well, the, the all cars trips make you not novice anymore. That's Very for, true. for, that for what you guys help. did on those trips. Like most people never do that stuff. That's true. I've been off-roading my whole life. Just and know I still... what your oil pan is and don't send it into anything hard. And after that, and if it's a front-wheel drive car, anything behind the front axle is not important. <laughs> Next time, you should just pull the rear wheels off and put trays under. That's a good idea. I think, I think we would have gotten stuck really early, but it's a pretty Probably. Idea. It's at least a good gimmick. Yeah. It is. I mean, you, um, there's like a junkyard video of a guy, he like cut a front wheel drive car in half and he drives it around the junkyard with no back half of the car on. No, if you did no. that and you removed 1,500 pounds of the car, it might go farther than you think. That'd be a good idea. It's fair. Sweet. Uh, all right. All right. So Thanks, no problem. Thanks for coming on.